0: tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine tighter skin or your money back get a 15 percent discount code by using the discount code game that's fiber skincare
1: it's the game of roses welcome to the game of roses this is the game of roses welcome to the game of roses a bitch-ass move, but it was weak. Like seriously, at least try harder. At least make it more specific so it sounds believable. What's the number one thing people get accused of? Well, she's not ready. Good one. I'm just so thankful that the truth prevailed and the liars will go home. but you can find a base for my rose and you can book your ticket home? Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Bachelor Clues. Pace Case has the night off because it's Valentine's Day. So it's just me breaking down tonight's big game for you. And what a game it was, ladies and gentlemen. We had high-level plays almost throughout the entire document, which is a rarity. Things we have not yet seen in our beloved game. We had LL threes being dropped by multiple players very early in this regular season. Usually this deluge of level threes does not come until playoffs. Here we're seeing it really two rounds before playoffs. They're also bringing up the idea of playoffs very early. Clayton was talking about that in this episode. That usually doesn't happen until the episode before playoffs. So we're seeing some groundbreaking stuff. And obviously, we're seeing some just extremely high-level play. I can't put enough emphasis on this. What we saw tonight by Rachel Recchia, by Susie Evans, by Sarah Hamrick, is the stuff of dreams. I just don't know. I mean, I know why this is happening. It's because we're in this professional era. It's because all of these players know exactly what they have to do and when they have to do it. This episode was a beauty and I'm happy to be breaking it down for you. So this is how this is gonna work. As I said, pace Case is off. I'm gonna roll through this whole thing by myself, but I'm also gonna be inserting PaceCase's uh, awards, her creature, her bystander, her parasocial play, all of these things. And I'm gonna see if I can get them right because she is gonna watch the episode and then listen back to this one and we'll see. <laughs> how close I got to the awards that she would have given. And if I break into some kind of conversation about aliens or the metaverse, you will have to forgive me. But let's do what we came here for, shall we? Let's begin. And now, Bachelor Clues and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. Tonight was the sixth Episode week five, and the teaser began tonight on The Bachelor Niagara Falls. The two on one, Shanae gets a kiss. She says the rose will feel better than sex. We see there's going to be a group date. Teddy gets a kiss. Rachel Reckie is love level three. Susie's love level three. Mara's in tears. Sarah and Mara seem to be having a rivalry start to be stoked. Mara issues a very serious, too young to be serious attack and Sarah is in tears. That's all in the teaser. These two level level threes immediately stand out. We are waiting to see these massive, massive plays coming from probably the two best players of the season. At least that's how it's shaping up. And then we get into portion one. We're back in Toronto at the hotel. Gabby gets the colorful narrator here. She is setting up the circumstance of this two-on-one. Marlena calls Janae a chameleon, who is able to adapt to her environment to get what she wants. That's a little better than calling her a case of herpes, which she will reprise later, rest assured. And all of these players are talking about how they don't want Genevieve to be collateral damage in this situation. And we get a shot of the suitcases by the door. We will see one of these suitcases leave, we hear one of the players say. So they're really ramping up the idea that this two-on-one is a foot and who's gonna go home and who's gonna stay. Then we're back at the Falls of Niagara, and we see a rock full of gulls with one lone goose in the rapids. This goose was not my creature of the week, nor was it Pacecase's creature of the week, I think. Clayton is sitting in between Genevieve and Shanae on a bench near the falls. They're just sitting there. So we get or I guess we got a little bit of this last week where they kind of showed them going to the falls. They've really split this two-on-one right down the middle, which takes away much of the dramatic tension and momentum that they built from last week, usually in these two-on-ones you see them get in the helicopter or whatever, the boat, whatever it's going to be to take them to whatever hostile environment they have to have this date in, then you see the date play out. So it's a buildup. Here, we're just cutting right back into the fucking middle of it. They're literally sitting on a bench. We have no tension whatsoever. It is flat from the beginning. They have done this two-on-one, a massive disservice, despite the fact that they've used three or four episodes here to really build the rivalry that became this two-on-one. They've just decimated it by cutting it right in the middle. Nonetheless, we must bear witness. So Clayton sits between them and Genevieve toasts to checking off items on their bucket list, to vulnerability and standing up for what they believe in and hopefully falling in love. They all cheers. And then Clayton does a bachelor's preference and he takes Genevieve first to talk. We get our one-on-one time with Genevieve here. This is our time to shine on the two-on-one. Anything goes. You're going head-to-head with another competitor. This is do or die. One rose, one goes. This is your last opportunity to do something that is going to get you that rose. And we see, as Clayton picks her from this bench, they walk what looks like about three feet to the right and sit on another little bench and just start talking. It seems like Shanae is one foot away from them. I have no idea. Very bad production here. But Genevieve tells him that this week has been tough. And then she can't even get out the next words before she does massive tier play here. This is a fantastic way to say that you're for TRR and to really convey that the circumstance is getting to you in a negative way. And she starts to explain that the two-on-one has made everything difficult. The house has been awkward. Being vulnerable is not easy for her, but she's really trying, and her feelings are growing every day. So she is not hitting a love level here, but she is saying, I'm still on the love level track, rest assured. She apologizes for being distant, and she says, she isn't trying to be that way. It's been hard for her to open up, but she she has tried her absolute hardest, even if she doesn't show it, she says, <laughs> she has been more open than she's been in a long time. And she's, once again, trying her hardest. She's all in. She keeps saying, trying my hardest, even if you can't tell, that is what's happening. So she's just making sure that she's leaving it all in the field, at least in her own mind. This is a little bit of a lie to herself, definitely a lie to Clayton, and he thanks her. And uh, she says, you know, if you have any questions, you can come to me, get a little kiss here. And it, it really was, I think, a bad move. Now, I, we know what happens at the end of this two-on-one. We know who gets the rose. It's her. However, the way she laid this out, she's not giving herself a chance to get anything other than this two-on-one rose. And I guess that's fine. Again, you're on the two-on-one. You have to do what you have to do to survive this. But in the way she brought out this information, saying, look, I really have been trying my best. And I know you might not be able to see it. She's already admitting failure here. She's undercutting her own strategy by saying, I have tried my hardest, even if you don't see it. She's essentially saying, I tried and it didn't work. She's laying that out there. So even if he doesn't dismiss her here, he has it in his mind. And we all have it in our minds that it would be fine to dismiss her later because she just told us she tried and it didn't work. In my mind, a bad play, not my era of the game, nor is it pace cases. Sinead then ITMs that Genevieve's tears are unwarranted, and she starts saying, what about poor me? I've been through hell and back. I have a plan, she says. And this is really Sinead's last moment on stage as this true villain that we have not seen in quite a long time. And we get our one-on-one time with Shanae, and he tells her, he thinks they have a good connection, but there's obviously been some tension and he thanks her for apologizing, apologizing to the group last week and asks her how that's going. And she's like, oh, it's all good, but it's hard to trust Genevieve. She immediately takes the focus from the whole thing that blew up in the last couple of episodes, turns it right to what is going on now. She, this is like a Jedi mind trick she does on him, basically. She's like, no, 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 that's no longer an issue. Genevieve is untrustworthy. So Shanae tells Clayton that she overheard Genevieve saying she wanted to go home the night before, which we don't, we have not seen that. We, if there is footage, the producers have chosen to like, leave it out of the cut. I don't believe that footage exists. I think this is a straight lie. (laughs) This is a straight manufactured lie to try and attack her. Clayton says uh, she never mentioned that. And Sinead keeps pressing the fact that Genevieve is acting, that she said she wanted to pack her bags. And now she's here on the two-on-one. She's fake. And then Sinead busts out tears. She she issues a love virgin PTC here. She has been in three long-term relationships, but never been in love. And then we cut to her ITM. She's literally cheering for herself about the tears, even saying hashtag tears, Pure, open, beautiful villain play here. Everything she's doing for Clayton and for everyone is an act, but in the ITMs, she is letting people know that she is doing this for our entertainment. This is a pure fourth audience villain play. And obviously, the producers love her too because they kept her in the show for so long. Back on the one on one, Shanae says she wants to keep exploring her feelings with Clayton. And he says he does like her. That's why she's here, which is, we know, a lie. She is there. Because the producers are keeping her there for exactly this moment to have this two-on-one, which again, they've ruined the edit. He is saying this because the producers have made him keep her and he must say, that's why you're here. I like you. That's why you're here. Whenever a lead says that, listen, I like you, or I see something in this relationship. That's why you're here. When they say that's why you're here, that's not why you're here. That literally means the producers are making me keep you. It is this weird little line that leads will tack on to the end of this. Uh, Vile the Great was famous for saying it. He would say it constantly in his season. And it definitely means that is not why you're here. (laughs) So he he launches that at Shanae, And we know that the producers are keeping her. And then Sinead ITMs that she feels confident and secure, and she already imagines fantasy suites, and then says, getting this rose tonight is going to feel better than sex. She's dropping these very quotable lines, these very memeable lines. This is what you should be doing if you are a villain. This is like Tierra LaCosie level. Uh, Nobody can take my sparkle. I can't control my eyebrow. It's these types of lines that are going to be kind of baked into that season for all time. And I think Sinead has done a good job here, at least of that what that means in terms of social media following and stuff at this point, who can say we are seeing numbers for all players across the board, starting to drop off the face of the earth and certainly for villains. So I don't know if it's going to be a huge play in that regard, but it's definitely going to get her onto paradise and probably get her in the round of first sand, which means she has a potential to be on the entire season of VIP season eight. So all in all, I mean, we haven't even gotten to a uh, portion two yet, but all in all, I think if you're a villain trying to get to paradise to have a redemption arc, that is not a bad play, especially if you know almost immediately that you're not going to be top four. This is kind of a a new dynamic in the game that I've really been thinking a lot about currently, which is. What happens when you get there on night one and you're like, oh, fuck, you can see the Susie Evans, you can see the Rachel Recchia, and you're like, well, I'm not them. What do you do then if you're a player? You only really have a few options. One is floater, which I can't truly recommend because you don't get a lot of screen time. You don't make a name for yourself. Two is you do something like what Mara is doing now. It's early season floater into late season tattler. We see that actually quite a bit, usually with the exact same kind of tattles, the um too young to be serious type of a title, which she does tonight, obviously. Then your third option really is villain. You just hardcore crank it into the villain red line and that's what you become. And you hope that that um, you know plays out, I think, as well as it has for Shanae, I know she's getting a lot of hate for various things she said. All villains get that hate now. Um, but I think you're going to see her on Paradise and I think it's going to go well for her there. I don't know. Time will tell. But at any rate, we're seeing some very new types of play types of play that really we've seen inklings of in past seasons, but certainly never seen anything like what Shanae is doing in the Instagram era. Just a straight 4TWR. Everything she's doing in the game is completely made up, completely fake, only for service of the game. So portion two begins. We are at the falls, this hostile environment. Shanae and Genevieve sit on a couch next to each other. We hear the horror music. A little different than the last Shanae score, the one they usually use, but it is a little horror-y. And Shane is uh, itming that her plan went off without a hitch. That Genevieve is a fake actress before she does this little celebration dance in her itm. And then Clayton returns to both of the players and says that he knows the day has been awkward, but he did learn a lot. And ultimately, there's only one rose to give out. He picks it up, and uh, he's you know to Genevieve. You can barely hear anything here because the falls are raging behind them once again. Bad sound. But Genevieve tells him she asked him to be honest. And he comes out and straight asks her if she is a lying actress. She is baffled. (laughs) She's completely fucking dumbfounded in this moment. She's like, "Uh, uh." her eyes are doing weird shit. Her mouth doing weird shit. And Shanae, we get this fucking shot of her. It's a... It doesn't look like she's actually there with them. It's a very tight shot on her face, smiling. I think this shot was taken out of context. I don't think she was actually there in that moment. I think they put it in to make her look more evil because it's not. you don't see her doing it right next to them. I sincerely don't believe she did this at this time. But Genevieve is floundering, saying that she doesn't think she's been lying. She's been as honest as she can be. And she asked why he's asking that question because it really shocked her. Clayton is now flabbergasted. He can't talk back to her. He has to fucking step away for a moment, taking the rose with him to really think over this situation. So (laughs) Shanae has thrown this lie into this mix that has just basically lobotomized both Genevieve and Clayton. Neither of them know what to say or how to act here. So Clayton walks a few feet away holding this rose, staring into nowhere. And Shanae then tells Genevieve that she told Clayton what she overheard, Genevieve wanting to leave. And Genevieve says, that's insane. I don't even want to engage with you. (laughs) I can't imagine what it would be like to be a player sitting across from another player who is just doing straight weird lies about shit that is clearly untrue. Nonetheless, that's what Genevieve has to engage with here. And so Clayton returns to them, and he reiterates, he appreciates both the conversations he had with them, but the rose has to go to someone that helped him see the truth in all this. So, Shanae, I'm so sorry, but I can't find it in my heart to give you the rose. So Genevieve, will you accept this rose? And the producers got their two-on-one, and Genevieve got this rose. Obviously, Shanae had to be eliminated here. You can only keep a real drastic villain like this around for so long before it becomes... Completely absurd. And the credibility of the show, the basic lie that the show is telling that this is really a process to help people find love. If you leave the villain in it too long, that wears too thin. The lie will start to be exposed to the audience who must believe it for the show to be successful. So they have to get the villain out of there before it becomes too crazy. And this is where Shanae takes her exit. She shoots them both daggers as they walk off hand in hand and Clayton thanks Genevieve for pushing this through and giving him a chance and then they get a little kiss. And then we see Shanae kind of stewing in defeat back at the hotel. The Grim Reaper comes in. The Grim Reaper is the staff member who comes in to get the bags of eliminated players and that is a term made up by producers, not by us. So the Grim Reaper comes in and does something we've never seen before. This Grim Reaper takes their time. This Grim Reaper stands in front of these two fucking suitcases for what feels like five seconds. I believe tapping their leg as if like, which bag should I take? Trying to build drama about which suitcase might be wheeled out before taking Sinead's. Usually, we're just cutting to shots of the player's faces like, oh my God, which one's it going to be? The Grim Reaper comes in, takes the bag and leaves. This Grim Reaper stood there and tried to make it like, oh, which one am I going to pick? Never seen that before. Really a nice added touch. But eventually she takes Shanae's suitcase away and everybody cheers. Gabby ITMs, (laughs) we did it. We beat out evil. Mara ITMs feeling so good. They all pop champagne off the balcony. Mara ITMs. Our man is a good judge of character. She seemingly has no idea whatsoever that the producers did all of this. This had nothing to do with Clayton's judgment of character. It had to do with the producer saying, you need to keep her around so that we can have a two-on-one with her. Then you can eliminate her on the two-on-one. Nonetheless, Mars ITMing this, they all cheers and Marlena cheers to curing the herpes outbreak. So she gets another go with her herpes joke. Hunter Hogg is given the producer line ding dong, the shrimp is dead. I believe that was a scripted line by the producers. And we will now see shrimp as Shanae Ankney's trademark within the franchise forever. You can rest very assured tonight that when you watch BIP Season 8, Sinead Ankeny will be eating shrimp non-stop. She will be offering shrimp to other players. She will be eating only shrimp. They will make her drink some drink that has shrimp in it. There will probably be a person in a shrimp costume. There might be a shrimp boat. Any kind of shrimp thing they can put into BIP Season 8, they're going to do it. Then, back at the falls, we see Sinead tearing up while she's ITMing complete shock at Clayton choosing an actress over her. She is sickened and disgusted. And now we get that horror villain music that they played all season comes in and she says she hates Clayton and never wants to see him again. But you know, she's about to in a couple of weeks, I think three weeks is the women tell all, I believe. And she will definitely be there. She will definitely be getting villain hot seat. Can't wait for that. Portion three begins. We're back in Toronto. Clayton's pondering. He ITMs relief from sending Shanae home. And as the night falls, the women come into the rose ceremony. So here we're getting the rose ceremony in Fortune 3. This whole season so far is a clusterfuck in terms of how they are presenting the game. And tonight is no different, obviously. But we know that at this rose ceremony, Gabby, Rachel, and Genevieve have the roses coming into it. Clayton ITM is finally being able to fall in love now that Shanae is gone and the other players feel the same way. Mara says, there is no drama, no tension. It's all happy women waiting for their time with a great man. I could not believe this fucking line. It was beyond hilarious, as though there are, there's nothing else here. We're just happy women waiting for time with this great man. We don't think about Instagram followers or strategy or any of that stuff. And then Clayton enters and he tells them that he's still a growing boy. And as they know, he sent Shanae home. He wants to push forward and focus on each other. He heard them singing on the elevator, which is very encouraging. He says, and he hopes they can all enjoy going forward. Cheers to a great night. And then Sarah hammer gets first responder. She pulls him to talk first In this one-on-one time, she asked him about the two-on-one and his crazy day, a little bit of a how you doing, and he explains that it wasn't easy to make the decision, which was actually made for him by producers, don't forget. She tells him that she's feeling confident and it's feeling real like really real life. And he reciprocates the realness. We get a kiss and we see they're building her up here to be a bigger character. They really give her a nice amount of time here. It seems like the conversation is an important one, has a little bit of gravity. So you know that they're now going to build her into a main character for this portion of the season, at least for an episode or two. We then get one-on-one time with Rachel Reckia. She says she feels like they're on another level, maybe another love level. She is right here foreshadowing a play she's going to do later and he says she is so comforting and he's excited for what they have they're both terrified by it how fast it's been going but he's excited by the seriousness and then rekia turns on that chemistry game and we see some more kissing here as she itms the loading of a love level three she's falling for him pretty hard she says then they have this incredible little conversation all done in whisper it's an implied love level three conversation, basically. Through whispered dialogue that has to be captioned on screen, she says, you have no idea how I'm feeling right now. And then he says, I think I have some idea because I'm feeling the same way. And then she says, is that what you're saying? And he goes, yeah. And then they kiss. This is Essentially love level threeing each other without love level threeing. They're not using any of the words. This is coded language for it, though. She's saying I'm falling in love with you when she says, You have no idea how I'm feeling right now. And then he says, I think I do have some idea because I'm feeling the same way. That says I love level three you as well. And then she says, Are you saying you're love level threeing me? And he says yes. And then they kiss. Beautifully played here. So subtle. She's not wasting her LL3. He's not giving it away just yet. And then she seals it with that trademark Rekia chemistry game. And then back with the group, Mara is telling everyone that they can't be confident if they don't already have a rose. So she's sowing the seeds of doubt in all the other players that she also is experiencing And we see some one-on-one time with Hunter. They dance and they kiss. One-on-one time with Teddy. She plays pool with him. Eliza's laughing with him. Mara's ITMing that she needs time with him. And Susie gets a kiss on this balcony, looking out at the skyline. And then finally, Mara gets her one-on-one time. She brings him some poutine. And she tells him that she loves to feed people she cares about. And then she makes him eat this. And he likes it. Then Serene comes in and performs an uncontested steal. Okay. Okay. These types of steals, by the way, are producer manipulated. The producers tell Serene when to come in and do the steal. So if Mara is accurate that she's only had a couple of minutes here sitting with him eating this poutine, that means the producers know that that's a concern of hers because she's talking about an ITMs to them. Then they set her up with her poutine thing that had to be set up by producers too. And then they send in Serene immediately to cut her off specifically to agitate her. She has made such a big deal out of getting time here and the producers are trying to undercut her. Now, what you have to remember as a player though is you can outplay producers. Producers are not the players. Producers are not walking up to you trying to do the steal. Serene is. You can shut her down. You can block this steal. Mara makes no attempt to block this steal here and I think it was ultimately an error. Not my error of the game, but an error. She could have gotten more time here. Mara then goes and does tear play in the corner, and Marlena, STCO, shoulder-to-cry-ons her as she's sobbing about being ready for love. DLP then enters the room. He gives us another series of tings. Now, (laughs) this series was nine tings. This is a new record. I don't know... If the new Dark Lord is just going to keep adding tings each time until finally he's doing 100 ting, I don't know. But here he has added a couple of tings to his first ting performance. I think he's still getting his ting bearings. I think his ting will get there. But tonight was not the ting. The nine ting is too much ting. And it's still, again, there's no melodies here. There's no cadences to these tings. He's just happily hitting this glass with no rhyme or reason. You gotta have method to your tings, DLP. You will get there. I have faith. The cocktail party has ended. And the rose ceremony's up next. Mara ITMs that she feels so far behind. There's no point in trying to catch up. And that ends portion three. Portion four begins. It is night. All the players march into the rose ceremony. Hunter's ITMing it through tears that she has feelings for him, but she doesn't know if he's feeling the same way. She's not ready to go, she says. Open gameplay speech. Marlena ITMs that Clayton is having a tough choice to make tonight and then Clayton comes into the rose ceremony. Mara's ITMing not having the confidence that other players have. She wishes she could have it but she's a realist she says which made me laugh very hard. Coming on the bachelor to find love is not anything a realist would ever do in their lives. She is certainly not a realist but it is funny that she thinks she is one or at least is expressing that here and then we get our rose ceremony. The roses go in this order. Sarah gets the first rose serene Susie, teddy eliza no dark touch from dlp for the final rose announcement but he is creeping closer to clayton every episode i'm thinking the dark touch might come soon hopefully and then the final rose of course is given to who mara so hunter Hog and marlena wesh your suffering was savored but we bid you adieu and then Marlena ITMs through tears that she will find love when it's her time. She is a prize. Clayton tells those that remain, they will now be crossing the Atlantic Ocean to head to Hvar, Croatia. Everyone's excited, and they all cheers to Croatia. Portion five begins. We are now in Croatia. We get all these beautiful aerial shots. We see an old couple drinking wine. Clayton comes in on a boat laughing about how wild... <laughs> being in Croatia is they always do these shots of the leads fucking coming in on boats as though they had done some like, you know, sailing trip from, uh, America or I guess from Toronto all the way to Croatia. But the women arrive at their hotel and we get some, I love Clevelanding as they come into the room, we get the obligatory shots of them jumping on the bed, pondering off the balcony. Uh, Clayton sprints up to the top of this hill to ponder. I, I love shit like this where you can just hear the producers going like, Oh, Clayton, run up to the top of that hill and just like look out into the sea. Let's do about 10 takes of that, okay? All right. That type of shit is just hilarious to me. As he ITMs, being ready to continue the journey to find love in such a beautiful setting, we watch him staring out into the sea. And then we get a shot of an alley and strutting his stuff down this alley is a dog. Based on Pace Cases, Creature of the Week last week, which was a dog, I'm awarding this dog Pace Cases. Ah! Ah! Creature of the Week. My reasoning for this is purely her love of dogs. I think I'll be right. We'll see. The women walk the streets and Mara ITMs. This is where she wants to fall in love. We see a castle on a hill. The women have some drinks as the Ultimate Viking walks up to them. And he explains that he's in a good mood because he has a one-on-one that's going to start right now. Mara prays for the one-on-one in her, her ITM. She's doubtful she'll get one, though. And then we see this one-on-one is going to go to Fimp Rose recipient, Teddy Wright. Clayton takes her off with him immediately. Mara is not feeling it. She'd love to get some one-on-one time, and she's getting disappointed. She calls out some of the girls not being girlfriend material, and this is the first moment that we're really getting this idea that she is now going to maybe issue a too-young-to-be-serious attack or 4TWR attack against someone else. And we see a storm is brewing on the horizon. They're given umbrellas and they have to walk as Mara's continuing this ITM that she's worth it and he's not seeing it. And it seems like the producers are going to boost her up here to me to be maybe a late late season villain. And we see her doing some tattling later, which we'll get to. On the one-on-one, which seems to be a win in Rome... The Ultimate Viking and Teddy uh, make a wish at a fountain. They toss in a coin. We get a kiss. They buy some lavender at a kiosk where they're told lavender's for lovers. Then they go to an ice cream shop where they buy some iced cream. Players eating ice cream is a tried and true tradition in our beloved games. And here we get some Croatian ice cream complete with a Croatian ice cream vendor, kind of like the local beavertail vendor in Toronto. They walk the streets as Teddy ITMs that she has walls. So she's letting us know she's going to be doing a little bit of wall play later on. We see our first of two cats in the document tonight. A street cat is watching them as they walk down this alley. And then Teddy ITMs that there's something big she has to tell him tonight and she's nervous. Doesn't want to lose what she has with him. Almost no day portion here. Very truncated. All we saw was the ice cream and the lavender. We see almost no interactions between them. It is mainly about Teddy's cryptic ITM that she has some big news. And I believe we know this news already. I mean, we know it obviously from the episode tonight, but I think she told other players, if I remember right earlier in the season, that this big news is going to be a PVC, a personal virginity card. So we go into portion six, it's night. They walk to their fake dinner and she, she ITMs the same pressure about these things that she hasn't told them. They sit down, And she tells him that she needed to know that they could have so much fun doing the normal things. And he agrees and thanks her for being patient with him since he gave her the fimp. And then she just fucking goes right to it. I have something I need to tell you about. She pauses and then she plays her PVC. Her mom had a young baby and there was pressure placed on her to not make the same mistake. She is a sexual person and isn't waiting until marriage but is waiting until the first time she's in love. This is an excellent use of a PVC here. If you wait too long to play the PVC, I think, in my opinion, the days of like a Madison Pruitt are gone. I think if you waited that long to play it, it would really throw a wrench in your game. I mean, I guess it did hers too, but I think this is the perfect timing to play it. You know it's almost a guaranteed rose here. I think you have a very small percentage chance of a lead saying like oh you just played your pvc well that means you have to go home i think in order to seem like at the very least as a lead that you're okay with that you have to give the rose and so that is what is going to happen here. Obviously, Clayton kind of stumbles over himself saying, well, I uh, I mean, I'm attracted to you physically. I never would have known that you were a virgin, as though there's some kind of virginal aura that he should have been able to detect. But he's just too attracted to her. So she tells him <laughs> she's never been in love, which is kind of a secondary P.V.C., Uh, a love virgin if you will and he wants to make sure that she's fully vulnerable and doesn't have her walls up she says she's constantly putting her walls down to make sure she's staying open and he asked her what being in love looks like since she's never been in love and she says she thinks it's feeling safe and protected by the person she's with and she hasn't felt this much trust or safety with a man this early ever she is allowing herself to fall which i rated as an ll2 It's very similar to I'm starting to fall. It's not falling. She's letting herself fall. It's something else. A little less. Love level two. So he thanks her for talking about what she talked about. He knows it can be scary and he ITMs that it would be special and exciting to be her first love and her first of many things, he says. (laughs) This motherfucker, if you guys haven't seen it, Clayton has done a pizza review on his TikTok. please go to his TikTok and watch this he finally did one and uh it's a real doozy if you have not yet seen it so here the ultimate viking gives teddy the one-on-one rose she gets a kiss they walk out to this lake for some more kissing and teddy itm loads another love level two even though she's played it she says she could see herself falling in love with him and then back at the hotel Mara is expressing how discouraged she is at not getting her one-on-one time. And Susie says she would love one-on-one time too. And Serene then incorrectly says, well, it's probably not going to happen for people that have already had a one-on-one date. It happens a lot, way more than you'd think. I do not have the accurate stats on me right now. They are in our book, How to Win the Bachelor, where we broke down every second one-on-one that's ever happened and where those players placed ultimately in the end of the season, how many of them became crowns, all of that stuff. It's all in our book, how to win the bachelor, but, uh, this definitely is not uncommon. This happens with some frequency that players will get two one-on-ones. So have you ever experienced a dry itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral filled water could be the reason why did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin. And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in.
0: Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.com to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you.
1: Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about one skin's scientifically proven topical supplements this is face eye body shield and it can all be used with any of their other products which are free from over 1500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red irritated or itchy their products are safe for sensitive skin it's just one of the reasons they've earned the skin safe seal of approval
0: You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at OneSkin.co. That's 15% off OneSkin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Clues... It's all got to go now.
1: Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows Me <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me Activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundiescom roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. Me undies comfort from the outside in. The knock knock comes. Gabby reads it. It's a group date. It's an honor to fall in love with you. It says Serene, Rachel, Susie, Gabby, Eliza, Genevieve, and Mara is on the date. Sarah is the only name not read and she says, I don't think that means that, and then Susie, a student of the game, just shuts her right up. It does. It does. Sarah actually knew what it meant too. Sarah knew that her name not being on the group date meant she was getting this one-on-one, which is a second one-on-one for her. She's just doing something that in poker is called Hollywooding. If you get like a fucking monster poker hand and you know you're crushing the whole table, but when it comes to your turn to bet or to like call a bet or whatever to react to the betting, you sit there and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, And you're like pretending basically that you're thinking if you should fold or play. And that's basically what Sarah's trying to do here too. She's like, oh, I didn't know that's what that meant. Oh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) she's a stone cold player of this game. Knows exactly. I This moment to me was... Really fascinating because you also see her bring it up later again, which I'll get to in the Clayton thing uh, in her one-on-one date where she said she tries to downplay it or tries not to be, I forget what she said, like a braggart about her one-on-one time because she's trying to avoid that target. That is straight gameplay. That's knowing that you can get a target if you have two one-on-ones or you have any kind of preferential treatment. Fascinating. This little moment right here where she says, I don't think it means that then mara gets in some bad face play here rolling her eyes at sarah for being outplayed essentially sarah gives some tears mara gives a very false it's your moment enjoy it she says to her and obviously this is she does not feel that way and then mara itm loads this youth attack this not serious enough attack and then tears portion seven begins in the day this is going to be the forced violence night fear factor date it's a almost exact replica of what we saw the ultimate Viking himself do on the ultimate Viking day. So the ultimate Viking walks down the stone path. He meets them near some kind of like old building and what he calls a fun, silly date is what's going to transpire. Gabby walks up and sees him in this black outfit and calls him a ninja, which was very funny. No one runs to him. No one attempts to hooju him here. This is a massive blown opportunity. We've been seeing these blown opportunities all season. I got to say, in terms of hujuers and and i you know maybe we'll see in uh the playoffs maybe this will change a little bit but in terms of the hujus this season have not been impressed really we are not seeing the level of huju that we've grown accustomed to in our beloved sub sport when you've got things like in season 24 kelsey weir pulling off what i believe was a perfect 10 but they did not give us dismount footage when you've got all of the hujus that happened in Season twenty four, Hannah Sluss had some great ones. When you've got Katie Thurston doing just a volume of hoojus we've never seen before, two and one, one on date, and then we come to this season. These players don't even run to him. They don't even attempt a hooju. They don't even attempt a race. It is a little disheartening. I wish we could see a little more athleticism here, a little more urgency. But say V, Mara ITM's waking up with a different mindset. She's going to build her connection and she's going to go big. Because she's sure as hell not going home. This is open gameplay speech. She doesn't really care about, in quotes, her connections. That second part of the sentence is what is the the truth. She's going to go big because she's sure as hell not going to go home. And we see what that means to her a little bit later, this going big. So they enter this courtyard where they see two people dressed in armor, fighting with swords. This immediately, we know, will be a forced violence group date. (laughs) It's literally people... Beating on each other, who are wearing night outfits, and you could just see the looks on the players' faces like, oh fuck. It reminded me very much in terms of their reactions to uh the Matt James group date that was the forced violence group date of boxing, when Kit Keenan sees that they're gonna be boxing, and she's just like, Yay. <laughs> it felt very similar to me. So we meet Katarina, a Croatian knight who tells us that for centuries, Croatian women knights have stood shoulder to shoulder with Croatian men knights and she is going to be training all of our players in these various acts of knighthood and Katerina the Croatian knight was my Jorge 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 Moreno bystander of the week (laughs) And Katarina the Croatian Knight was also base cases.
0: Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week, 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 week.
1: I just feel like there is no way Lizzie will not choose her. And who else are you going to fucking choose? You only had a couple of choices the ice cream man, there's a producer later, a little bit. This is it. This has got to be her bystander. I'm like 100% lock on this one. We'll see. So there's a series of quests that will show if each player has what it takes to be on the journey with Clayton. The women are all told to put on this Croatian armor just like the Ultimate Vikings had to do and get ready. And then the first challenge tests physical strength. They have to do a the shield type like sumo wrestling in the circle. So they're each bashing each other's shield and trying to push one out of the circle. Susie ITMs that there is a savage within her A beast. beast. She literally says there is a beast within her. I don't know if you remember, there was a player named Hannah Brown who called herself Hannah Beast. Susie has been compared to Hannah Brown again and again and again and again in play style, in the way they look, everything. Here she's literally invoking Hannah Brown by calling herself a beast. This is perfectly played, an homage to one of her. Hero players, for sure. I love stuff like this. This is legacy. This is when you get to see the history of the game start to weave through these modern seasons. Not that Hannah Brown is like a classic season player or anything. She's pretty recent. But nonetheless, she has obviously radically changed the social media game. Still is the highest Instagram count player of all time, 2.6 million. And here Susie is trying to channel a little bit of her. Loved to fucking see this. And then the next challenge Uh, after this kind of like wrestling challenge is a feast of gross food. This is a fear factor component. This is literally exactly like the Ultimate Viking Day. Many of the same foods, brains, livers, dead fish, and many of the players take a few nibbles. No one really wants to be doing this. Looks like Rachel Recchia pukes and then Serene and Mara kind of go head-to-head to try and win this date, which, by the way, we have not yet been told by anyone that it is a play for time. We find out that it is, but we don't know that, the fourth audience. Horrible editing. And so Serene and Mara are just chowing down on this shit. And Serene ITM's doing her best in all the challenges to get time with Clayton. That's the first time we hear that it could possibly be a play for time. And the final challenge then has the women kneel in the square, hold a sword, and tell the Ultimate Viking why they came here, how they feel. They're all very generic. Mara is even ITMing that these attempts are all a little dull, and she's going to spice it up. But no one here uses this to try and kiss the Ultimate Viking, which I found very strange. Whenever you get these moments where it's on a group date, but you have to, in front of the entire group, do something with the lead. You can look back at the Great Vial Season 21, when they had to do the wedding photography and uh, Corinne Olympios, one of the greatest villain players of all time, princess Film, she got him in the pool, took off her top and made him cup her boobs in front of all the other players. It was a massive, massive power play. And you have the opportunity to do this on any one of these group dates where all the other players have to stand around and watch and you get this uh, kind of like public one-on-one time with the lead. You can utilize it to do anything. And I would say a kiss is very usually what you want to be doing here granted they're in armor and maybe it's not like as conducive as like it was on pilot pete season when they did the uh photo shoot for i forget which magazine cosmo maybe in a waterfall and they're on bikinis obviously that's more conducive to it but you got to take the cards dealt here they're dealt this card no one capitalizes and ultimately serene wins this date in quotes She gets a cape put on her shoulders and the Ultimate Viking carries her away from the group for this extra time. And Mara ITMs that she felt like a peasant for the first time and the last time in her life. And that's it. We don't see any benefit that Serene actually gets from this. This extra time, supposedly, that they won. And then portion eight begins. We're at the after party now that night. Ultimate Viking is toasting to a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity with once-in-a-lifetime women. And Rachel Reckia gets the first one on one time. He tells her hometowns are coming up and he wants to make sure that they're on the same page. She says, you're getting in my head right now. She's conveying this little bit of self-doubt, which is a very good way, a a very good appetizer to the conversation they're about to have because it, it makes her seem vulnerable. Like she thinks she has something to lose maybe. And he says he wants to make sure that she could see him meeting her parents. And she says, I truly think you don't even understand how I feel. And I am falling for you so hard. This is an emphasized love level three. And she's terrified because she doesn't know what's going to happen. And if he's going to bring her into next week or not, she doesn't have a doubt in her mind that she would love to bring him home to her family. He says, thank you. There's a kiss. And this is... It's just such a high-level fucking play, and this is what I was talking about at the very top of this episode. We've not yet seen Love Level 3s played this soon by essentially finalist players. Sometimes they'll get played as like Hail Marys. This ain't no fucking Hail Mary. This is a top-level player busting out the, the pen ultimate Love Level way before even fucking playoffs start. Usually you see Love Level 3 in hometowns and then love level four in fantasy suites or sometimes even a player will save it to the finale we now got a love level three with two weeks left of the regular fucking season this is unprecedented and we ain't even fucking done yet but the way she played it too we can't discount that it's with this little insecurity this this idea that like i have to tell you this Because I feel like you don't truly understand how I feel. She's playing it to put that card out there. And it is obviously going to work well for her. This could be a new type of strategy emerging. The early love level three. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens the rest of the season. And even potentially a few more seasons down the road. But this was a phenomenal play. Would have been my play of the game. But it ain't. There were just some other really fascinating plays. So anyway, Gabby, then we cut down to uh, the... Women are all sitting around the fucking group date rose and Gabby is staring the group date rose down and she says, the rose is looking at me and I'm looking back at it. (laughs) Or she says, I'm looking at the rose and it's looking back at me or something. Oh, fuck. She's so fucking funny. She has the ninja. She has the looking at the the roses line. Oh, God. I can't wait to see her in fucking paradise. Then we get a few shots of these various players during their one-on-one time as Mara's ITMing that she's ready for marriage and she hates these younger players. And she says not everybody's wife age, a strange blanket attack on all players younger than her, essentially, in this ITM. Then we get this one-on-one time with Mara. And she starts off with saying she's good given the circumstances. And she explains that she's been giving and doing everything that he's been saying he wants them to be doing and to be given the last rose and not be given a one-on-one. It's hard for her to keep giving. He doesn't determine the rose ceremony order. She must know this. Of course, she was going to get the sixth rose because they were building to that dramatic conclusion. Would she get a rose or not? If you're that player that in this episode they're putting you on the chopping block, you're going to get the last rose. For her to then be pissed at him about it, I don't, I just think Mara has a, a very bad misunderstanding of how this game works and how little the lead actually controls. There are always players like this every season who seem to get genuinely agitated at the fact that they're like, not getting enough time or not getting the right rows in the right order. And it's like, that's not ever up to the lead, but they will still go to the lead and say stuff like this, like, I'm okay, given the circumstances. So there's this, it builds an adversarial relationship with the lead and you never want to do that. But that's exactly what she's doing here. She kind of attacks him for saying... He said he's looking for a, a wife in a long-term relationship, but the roses and one-on-ones given out don't reflect that. And then she attacks him for giving Sarah a second one-on-one without her having even gotten one. And he asks her what specifically about these women makes them not ready for marriage. And she says that some have been openly vocal about that. And for others, it's their age. And she then starts to give this kind of general tattle about no one specifically saying they couldn't see themselves engaged in two months So she doesn't give any names or anything. Just like some people, somebody was saying they couldn't see themselves engaged in two months. And Clayton keeps kind of pushing. He's like, and when was this said? And she's like, I don't know, fairly early on. And Clayton then says he knows Sarah is one of the youngest in the house. And Mara says she's one of the people who's not ready. The Ultimate Viking then says he'll be paying attention more and he appreciates the honesty. Gets up. There ain't no kiss here for Mara. And this tattle, this generic tattle on anyone younger than her was mine. Error. 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 Error of the game. She basically was attacking Clayton and his choices. She firmly established herself as having no shot here, I think. And she may be around for another rose ceremony, maybe. I mean, we're getting to the playoffs anyway. I don't think she had a chance to ever go to hometown, so this might even be like an okay move, generally speaking. We'll see how many followers she gets out of it this next week, but... Overall, you never want to be doing this kind of thing where you're you're setting up again this adversarial relationship with the lead where it's like you're not making the right choices because the lead will very easily use that to get rid of you. If you disagree with the choices the lead's making, you're gone. And that's what she's doing here. So Clayton returns to the group, picks up that group date rose, and he gives it to Rachel Reckia, Rachel, Rachel Reckia for that astounding Love Level 3 play, just right in the middle of this fucking date, out of nowhere, unnecessary. I mean, I, it was so effective, though. It was just such a beautiful play. You know, I never personally really, truly like to see players blazing through a Love Level 3 that quickly, but my God, she did it so well. So she gets rewarded with this group date rose, and Mara ITM's being defeated and not knowing what to do. And then back at the hotel, Clayton is in this jacket when there's a knock at his door. And they've actually done a good job of editing here. I thought this was going to be Mara because we ended on her ITM saying, I don't know what to do. And then you think, oh, she's going to go knock on his door. But he opens the door to find no one there. Just a note. And it reads, Clayton, meet me at the clock tower. The producers have obviously written this note. And again, we don't know who this is, but it seems to be Mara. Seems that's who we're going to find at the clock tower. And even I think Clayton is thinking that because he doesn't seem too excited about this. And then Portrait Nine begins. Clayton's marching through the night and we get our second shot of a cat. This cat in the night is strutting his stuff, bearing witness. To one of the most astounding plays I have ever seen. This night, cat was my <gasps> creature of the week. <laughs> I love this cat. I love anytime animals get to see truly astounding play. And I don't know if this cat was aware of it, but what he was about to witness, or she or they. It was simply poetry on every level. So let's start breaking it down. The Ultimate Viking walks up to some steps where he meets Susie. The producers give her this favor. This is essentially an extra one-on-one. It's as much of a one-on-one as we got to see. Well, later we'll see the one with uh, Sarah Hamrick where they don't even fucking show the day portion. It's literally just a fake dinner. At any rate, he comes up these steps. He meets Susie. She's been given this by the producers i don't even think it was probably her idea they probably went to her and said hey you want to go meet clayton yeah absolutely so they kiss clayton does uh a little like sports style celebration Woo! i'm so happy country clayton loving his time and Susie itms that she wasn't able to open up with clayton and she feels like other players are already getting that time so she's told if they're saying it in an itm There's literally a producer sitting next to the camera. So the producer's hearing this in this ITM. She's like, I feel like I'm not uh, getting the same amount of time as these other players. So they manufactured it for her. They're like, oh, don't worry about that. We'll give you an extra fucking one-on-one tonight. So she takes him up to the top of this clock tower. This is basically a full one-on-one day in like a beautiful location. It's absurd. She opens with a, how you doing? How you doing? And he says he had no idea who was bringing him to the clock tower. And she says she wanted to bring him there to, to share with him how she's feeling. And they had this initial strong connection. But the past few weeks, she's of course happy for all the other players, all the other connections, but she thinks it made her put up her walls. So she's playing this wall here because she feels she might get hurt in this. But before coming here, she promised herself to be more vulnerable with him. And so even though there's so much more to go, she says, student of the game, she knows the playoffs are still coming. She does feel as though she's bump bump falling in love with him. Love level three. God damn it. This was beautiful. He laughs and he says, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. They, they get a kiss. The way she plays this, it's like fucking poetry. Okay. Yes. It's, it's on this knock, knock, which is set up by the producers. There's no question about that. The producers have manufactured this moment, but it's a moment that she still has to make all the right plays in. And the way she makes this love level three play by raising that wall, literally a sentence before she plays it. It's like you, you give this, kind of anticipation. So the love level three is not only like an exciting moment, it's a moment of relief because the wall puts doubt in the lead's mind. The wall puts that hesitation in the lead's mind. The wall makes the lead think, oh fuck, what am I about to hear? This is going to be something bad. And then when it's not, it's that relief feeling that is, it's like a extra seasoning on the happiness that he's going to feel from just the love level three itself. God, it was just so well done. Who even knows what the fucking wall was, by the way? It's like a generic wall. The connections that other players are making made her put her walls up. What walls? What are you talking about? God, it was just brilliantly done. It's not even a wall. She just manufactured a wall out of fucking thin air then brought it straight down. Love level three. And he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Oh, Jesus. So this is two in one fucking game. You've got two of the highest level players in the season. At least I believe playing love level threes in the same round one on a group date one on a fucking knock knock neither one of these players got a one-on-one arguably susie did i mean this is not a one-on-one though i i i can't impart that to you enough a knock knock is not a one-on-one it seems like it and it serves the same function but it's not it's not an official one-on-one there's no one-on-one group date rows. but nonetheless she throws out this ll3 here and uh you know we're virtually positive she's going to get a rose at the next rose ceremony and this was almost my play of the game oh and it is pace cases
0: play 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 of the game
1: for all the reasons that i just said that's i think why she'll <laughs> while she chooses it while she'll choose it all right portion 10 begins Gabby and Mara are forced into a girl chat. Mara divulges that she told the ultimate Viking that there's some players who are not ready for marriage like Sarah. Night falls. The ultimate Viking is walking the streets and we get one of the weirdest fucking scenes so far that we've seen. DLP emerges from the shadows to meet him and the ultimate Viking tells him about the conversation with Mara and he basically has concluded that Sarah is who she was talking about. And he doesn't want to be stood up at the end of this by somebody who's not ready. And DLP tells him that he was scared at this point in his journey too, which is like fucking a hundred years ago. You know, I was scared about falling for somebody who wasn't for the right reasons. He invokes for the right reasons by name here. And DLP tells him to stay open and figure things out. And then Ultimate Viking walks maybe two steps around a corner and there's Sarah Hamrick. So... (laughs) They have fucking DOP just standing like a few feet away from where Ultimate Viking is about to do this one-on-one date with Sarah Hamrick, which again, it's nighttime. This is the dinner portion, the fake dinner that they don't eat. We have not seen any fucking day portion. They've removed it completely from the document for some reason. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it made her look too good because it does seem like they're, they're setting her up for a bit of a villain edit next week. I honestly don't know. I would guess that it has something to do with her having played a PTC. I don't know, because I don't know. I don't know why they did it. At any rate, we don't see the day portion. We see this very strange night portion. And Ultimate Viking and Sarah Hamrick sit down at this fake dinner. And Sarah opens with a toast to tonight. Cheers to undeniable momentum and that we're continuing to build through honesty and sincerity. Ultimate Viking says this journey has a lot of unknowns, And she says she recognizes the intentionality of the second one-on-one. It means the world to her, open gameplay. And he says the journey is about understanding where they stand. And he says he's made it clear that he's looking for his future wife and he wants to propose and he has to bring something up. He says somebody told him that people may not be ready for marriage. And she was the person they were speaking of. He says it's a lot, but hometowns are right around the corner. And do you see it as a real possibility that you could be engaged at the end of this? Sarah says that's crazy because that's the opposite of what she's actually said. Immediately produces tears here. So we know we're in the 4TRR zone. And she says she has nothing to gain from lying to him. Instagram followers, of course, but she does not bring that up. She tells him that after their first one-on-one, she told herself she could be engaged to him. And every day since then, she's been nothing but completely herself and vulnerable with him because he is special to her. She absolutely sees herself being able to be engaged. And that is 100% why she's there. And she wouldn't be there if she wasn't ready for it and if she didn't see it with him. This is said about as well as you can say it. I was very impressed with how she handled this because this is a straight blind attack against her credibility. This is a not or a too young to be serious attack coming from an assailant that she doesn't even know. She doesn't know who said this. She may have some ideas, but she has no true idea, no true uh, confirmation of it. So he thanks her and he apologizes to her, but he himself is confused and scared and he's afraid of giving and losing everything in return. And he needs to step away for a moment and think this through. So he literally stands from the table, something we've only seen a few times, and he excuses himself to go think somewhere in a dark corner while Sarah Hamrick is left sobbing. She then walks off into the night and cries to a producer and says, who the fuck said that? She wants names of who has issued this attack against her. And back at the hotel, Mara is now telling the other players that 23-year-olds can't be ready for marriage. And we get Sarah saying, it's a bitch-ass move. This entire thing, they're now building a new rivalry here between Mara and Sarah, of course. And we're gonna see potentially how that plays out next week, I guess. But portion eleven begins. We're back on the one-on-one. Sarah's ITMing that this entire thing is complete bullshit. She's upset that this in quotes, she says this. Hail Mary has ruined her date, being played by somebody who's gonna go home and just wants to ruin her date. And we get tears. So she recognizes that this thing someone has done to her is a play in this game to try and sabotage her one on one. She fully understands that. This is very, very open gameplay speech here. So on the one-on-one, Clayton and Sarah reconvene, and she tells him she's trying so hard not to be angry. She's done everything to try to not boast about her relationship, which we even saw in the beginning when she was like, well, my name not being on the group date card doesn't necessarily mean that I have the one-on-one. She's even feigning ignorance at how the game works in service of trying not to boast about her relationship. But she can't help but feel... This is interesting timing for somebody to bring this up when she just got her second date and she says she's upset, not about someone lying about her, but about possibly losing Clayton, something so out of left field, such a blatant lie. She doesn't want that to take out this burgeoning relationship that she feels very strongly about and her defensive play without, by the way, using any love levels here. She doesn't love level three like Uh, Rachel Reckie did, like Susie Evans did. She doesn't even fucking use a love level at all. Her strong defense against this too young to be serious attack was my Play, play, play 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 of the game. Now, I know this is not as bombastic as a love level three or as usually celebrated because those are like strong offensive plays. But every once in a while, I like to give a play of the game to a strong defensive play, which this certainly was. She had a straight offensive attack launched at her, the too young to be serious attack from Mara. She doesn't know it's from Mara, but nonetheless, it got through to her through Clayton. And here she does a fantastic defense using straight 4 tiara language. I'm only here for you. I don't want to lose you. I'm angry because I might lose you to something so stupid that's not even true. Perfectly played top to bottom. A lot of tear play throughout to really accentuate it. And so Clayton says this journey can be scary and he has to be careful with navigating it all. And he has to make sure he's making the right decisions. He appreciates her patience. He picks up that one-on-one rose and he gives it to her. And there we see Just how good that defensive play actually was. They seal it with a kiss. And back at the hotel, the women look at Sarah's suitcase and Sarah walks back. She's walking through the streets of the hotel and she ITMs that karma is a bitch. Whoever did this thought it was going to take her out, but it will end up taking them out. And that is the to be continued line that we will pick this up next week. And then we get a teaser. We see the Mara and Sarah rivalry starting up. We see a lot of kisses. A bystander calls one girl performative. It looks like they all turn on Sarah at some point. We see a bunch of black boxes as people are jumping into water. We see the Pretty Woman Day uh, falling in love with three women. Serene's going to LL4. We see there's going to be the confession of the triple LL4. The double intimacy confession is coming. The tears, Clayton marching into the night. He's so broken. And then the tag, we get Hunter Hag. She's teaching him how to do a dance called shagging and gets a little kiss. All in all, a fantastic episode. These gigantic plays from these gigantic players to just ultra-powered offensive plays. The double LL3, neither one coming on a one-on-one one gets a group date rose one will get a rose ceremony rose but just massive play there from Susie evans to utilize her third audience game to set up that knock knock and then to bust out that love level three the way she did this in my opinion has guaranteed her and rachel Reckia a hometown i believe gabby wendy secured hers last week with the ptc about an estranged mother and we are now looking for the fourth hometown, in my opinion, who it will be. I am not sure. I have Serene Russell in my top four, so I hope it's her. But uh, we will see. And this week, for all of her strong play, Susie Evans was my M-M-M-M-M-V-P. I just really like to see a player... Well, I'll, I'll just say this. All of these plays were fantastic. The ones that I mentioned, the LL3s and Sarah Hamrick's defense, the one I get to play the game too. But the, the reason I want to give my MP, MVP to Susie Evans is because of that third audience game. You know she got that first audience game. Seemingly, she has a second audience game. We don't really see her interact much with the second audience. I think that's purposeful in the edit, and I believe that there is... A room on set at all times called the Evans Chamber, where they store her, and that she may or may not be an android. All that said, what she did tonight was fucking inspired. She used her third audience game to get this special attention, to get a little mini one-on-one during this knock knock. Then she used her first audience game to drop that L three on him, and that also works on the fourth audience because we now know she's among the players who have hit that love level. Fantastic work! I think she's going to be getting many more of my MVPs to come. And I also believe that Pace Case will give Susie Evans her
0: M-M-M-M-V-P.
1: I just can't see her not doing it. I can't. I think she has to do it because of all the same things that I said. (laughs) I think she'll have the same reasoning. But if she doesn't, maybe Base Case will give Rachel Recchia her
0: M-M-M-M-V-P.
1: I'm doing two. She'll either give it to Rachel Recchia or Susie Evans. That is my prediction. But that is it. That is our coverage of tonight's big game. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope I've... Being able to entertain you without Pace Case, it certainly was a more difficult thing to do. I do miss having Pace Case here to laugh with and to give counterpoints to to my various weird insanities. But um this episode was an important one, you know. I will say that. I do think historically speaking, that double love level three in a mid-season game like this is just it's something special. I don't know that we're going to see that again. Or if, or like I said, maybe this is going to be a trend and it's just going to keep happening sooner and sooner. You see people like, you know, people who don't really have a chance, even though I guess Luke Parker was Final Four, but he did it very early on. But usually in the Bachelor, the players are like, they're more tempered with it and it usually comes later in the season. At any rate, loved this game tonight. Thank you all for joining me. And... We will be back on Friday with This Week in Bachelor Nation. And then next Monday, we're going to have a very special Digging Deeper. We are already pulling massive amounts of clips that are just... They're unbelievable. We've got Vial the Great talking about how The Bachelor is a sport and that there is a playbook and all this shit. Tip of the iceberg. Stay tuned for that. But thanks once again. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,267 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15%
0: Tighter skin guarantee with this seven day routine, tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's fiber skincare.
1: Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues